Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 35 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. How's it going, April? It is going fabulously. Good I think I might you. say that every single time. I'm not sure. Do I say that I every know. time? I don't know. I don't listen. <laughs> I, I honestly, I load the program in. I put her intro. I put her outro. And I upload it. Yeah, Whatever we fuck up, everybody gets listened to. Yep. <laughs> no so, time. Who's got time for editing? I, I do want to say, the, uh, so the ending of last week's episode, where I just kind of disappear, my bad. Apparently... The, uh, the plug for my tortoise heater, which that was the first day I had to plug my tortoise heater in, uh, which is on the opposite corner of the house, outside, is on the same breaker as my internet, which is at the very other end of the house, inside. Go figure. Well, that's lovely. And uh, with five minutes left to go on the podcast, it tripped. And, and so, yeah, so there's <laughs> an abrupt James ending. Disappeared. <laughs> yeah. So, if you guys wondering, that was a weird way to end it. Yes, yes, it was. And, I, and I'm sure I could have... <laughs> come in and recorded something and edited it but that had taken time and my give a damn was broken so it it just it was what yeah, it was i just told james i'm like just put it up like it's fine if it, people even get to that far <laughs> then you know like it's fine you're good <laughs> but before we get any farther i do want to mention our sponsors this week uh, lone star reptile racks our good buddies over there make sure if you need a good quality rack contact robert at lone star reptile racks uh, if you're at any of the Herps Reptile Shows, which is our other sponsor, Robert will be there. Speaking of the Herps Reptile Shows, uh, let's see, the next one is October 10th and 11th in Waco, which is, oh, this weekend. So if you're in, near Waco, Texas, this weekend is a Herps Reptile Show. And then starts my marathon of shows. Let's see. Slidell is October 24th to 25th. Beaumont, Texas is October 31st and November 1st. That's Halloween. I think we're all planning on having like candy at our tables for kids so they can somewhat trick or treat since trick or treating has been destroyed by COVID. That's fun. Yep. Uh, I also think that uh, a local like theater troupe like that's in like the same building that we're in is doing Rocky Horror Picture Show that night. So oh, I think that's where most of us will be. That, I have yet to go to a live showing of that. Well, this I'd is the, the movie. one that I gets the dildo in my face and stuff. Oh, dang, it's not a live uh, one. What? What's different than any other Saturday night then if that's what you're afraid of? <laughs> Uh -oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God. November 7th is the Lafayette show, which is great because it's like an hour from my house. Looking forward to that. I'm going to that one. Yes, and April will be there. So if anybody can make it to the Lafayette show, you can ask April about her ball sacks. Yeah. Uh, instead of asking me about April's ball sacks, which is very awkward. <laughs> uh, Stafford, Texas show is the week after, November 14th and 15th. And the week after that is New Orleans, November 21st and 22nd. And then I'm done for a while. I'm, that is, that's a lot of shows, and I'm done. There's other shows after that. I'll talk about them yes. later. But they're actually there's like a couple shows every single month from the Herp shows. So yeah. if you are in Texas and mid south and south, you are good to go for a lot of shows. And I want to apologize right now because my cats have the zoomies, and you're going to be hearing a bunch of stuff. So I'm sorry, but that's, that's you don't know get the your deal. ball sex under control. 
I know. God, they're so terrible. <laughs> I'm very upset. So my, my, I'm not very prepared for this podcast. My dad came into town and we hung out and he's in town because we're supposed to go on a fishing trip starting Thursday through Monday. Uh, but that fishing trip is to South Louisiana. And anybody that has turned oh. on the weather channel in the last couple of days realizes that that fishing trip's not going to happen most likely. Man, that uh, sucks. Because there's a category now three hurricane supposed to hit Louisiana this weekend. Yep. So, well, I'm that sucks. Tired but of hurricanes. At least you got some time with your dad, I guess. That is true. My daughter got to play hooky today from school and go hang out with him. So yeah. I didn't. I went to work, but. But I, mean, I told my boss, I like, look, I know I took these days off to go on a fishing trip, and we may not go fishing. I'm still taking these days off. So I will still not be at school later this week. Awesome. All right. Well, so- I am super excited for our guest that we have tonight. This is one of my good friends. Um, it's Mike Renault of ADD Reptiles. How are you today, Mike? Hi, I'm doing fine, actually. Uh, you know, just taking it one day at a time, waiting for uh, everything to go back to normal, I guess. I don't know if it will go back to normal, but that's a good thought. <laughs> what is normal? It's been a while. Well, I'm no hearing about kidding. reptile shows and stuff, and yeah, I mean, things are starting to sound like they're on the uptick. Dude, is California having any reptile shows anytime soon? Like super shows or anything? Uh, not not that I've heard of. There's no, I can't think there's any way they're doing that. Them in New no, York uh, won't have shows for a while. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, I think California I think like totally closed us, up. Oh yeah, us in New York will be the last ones to open. We're going to be a trying to vie for you know first place and who can stay closed the longest i'm pretty sure and the great thing for the herp shows is they're mostly in texas and i think texas's motto is uh covid don't fuck with texas so i mean that's they're good you can't, you yeah can't they're get COVID. good they're totally immune no problem you can't oh, get man. in texas because they told us to leave it alone there you go <laughs> so feel free to come to a texas herp show you're safe yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I got two there. kids, so that's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> you okay. just had a baby, too, so. Ugh, yeah, ugh. yeah, no, nothing's happening anytime soon. <laughs> I'm stuck here. Yeah, my, my kid's nine. I, I, I'm done with diapers. I'm not. No diapers, no crying. Well, if she cries, I can just tell her to go to her room and cry in her room. Yeah, I just Everybody. got back into diapers. I'm starting the process all over again. You're, you're in diapers too? That's crazy. You and the baby. <laughs> I, I, I will be soon enough. <laughs> you're not that old, jeez. It just saves wouldn't time. It be nice, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if actually they could be like monitors and actually be self-sufficient right out of the egg? Just go shit in the awesome box Yeah, exactly. Yeah, clean that every once in a while and you're set. And you're good to go. <laughs> exactly. They can catch their own food and everything. Well, well I you asked my... You should try that. You should just, just let the kid loose. See what happens. I mean, you never <laughs> know until you try, honestly. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's a cute kid. Some go pick him up. <laughs> uh, so I specifically asked Mike on to the show because he has a lot of rare species and a lot of monitor species and sean said we always talk about snakes so i'm getting someone on that has other things <laughs> so all right i think we've been mentioning sean gray's name too much in our podcast well he harasses us enough so <laughs> i know it's with love sponsor, sean so i know it's with love <laughs> well we were um, on a travis kick for a while and then we moved on to a sean kick so that's i'm just mad that travis doesn't send us food I want baked well, goods. The next, I'm sure the next Tinley everyone's at, he'll bring some. Every, 
every Sunday he posts pictures of the baked goods he's taking his coworkers. I'm like, screw you, man. I want baked goods. I, I want right, cookies, Travis. Travis. What are you bringing us? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Directly talk to him. All right. Anyway, uh, so. let's get into our goodness. <laughs> what is that? Our goodness? Yeah. I, I don't think I have any goodness. Oh, come on. I, th- I think our I, Facebook post. I lack goodness. Okay. So the question this week was, would you keep a monitor species? And if so, which one? So before we go into that, I will say I have kept three different monitor species in the past. And I've kept them horribly. And I don't want to say what's happened to all of them. Let's just say I don't have any of any of them anymore. Uh, How in, long in my did you keep, keep them for? Well, that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> the, three, the three species I kept, I started with a savanna monitor, which okay. uh, was was stupid because it wasn't a baby and it was definitely like wild caught and he never liked me. Uh, and I actually that one that one didn't die; it went to a new home. And if the new home killed it, I don't know. But it that one lived; it just hated me. Uh, okay. Someone gave me a blue tail monitor, which I was totally not prepared for. Uh, I made somewhat of a arboreal cage for it and. Every now and then it would break out of the cage, and the, the room it was in had a brick wall, so it could run back and forth across the brick wall. It was a nightmare to try and catch. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it never really bit, but it did not like being held. Uh, and then someone gave me, and I didn't realize at the time because I never really paid attention to monitors, but they gave me what was an Aki monitor, and I have no idea how old that one was. It was, it was an adult, and they gave it to me, and I don't have that one either. Uh, that's my experience with monitors, and I know I kept them horribly. Uh, which is why I don't do it now, because I know that I don't have the space, time, and we'll get into all that stuff later. But those are my three species I kept. And of, of all those, I really would like to try Ackies again. Uh, I saw a lot of people I, said, much as, actually. Like, I would love a Savannah. I would love, like, a... Well, yeah, I'd love, like, a four-foot-long Savannah monitor, like, the like three-foot, like, the big old, like, puppy dog Savannah monitors. But uh, that's a big lizard and a lot of heat. And uh, it's a big lizard. Mike, do you even have seeds. a savanna monitor? I feel like that's the one thing you don't have. No, I just was never able to go back. I had uh, my first monitor I actually got, which I had no business buying, was a savanna monitor. And there, uh, he was he was awesome, exactly how you described, you know, a big fat puppy dog. And uh, he uh, ended up dying before, uh, before his time, fortunately. And I've had several savannas since then, and it was just never the same. Well, like, I remember they were always, like, $20 on tables. You could buy them for, I don't know how much they are now. Um, I don't know if they still, I assume they still import them. Uh, but, yeah, they used to be $20. So you just buy a Savannah monitor for 20 bucks, which is a horrible idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same thing with iguanas. I mean, any large lizard, you'd be okay. shocked. It's like, why is this thing so cheap? Maybe, you know, a higher price would uh, kind of deter some people. Well, what's crazy with Savannah monitors is, like, there's just you would assume as many as you saw that I, I would have assumed when I was younger that people were breeding them, but no one was fucking breeding them. Like that's oh, yeah. Yeah, all of those were wild caught. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean most of them are wild caught uh, monitors in general, just because the amount of space you need, you know, it, it's it's a lot breeding monitors, so it, it is very difficult. They are very you know seasonal animals that you got to do everything exactly the right way at the right time and. There's definitely a lot that goes into it, so um, most people aren't able to uh, provide for that, actually. The amount of space alone required to have like a successful breeding operation is uh, is a little bit too much for most people. 
Yeah, I, I wish I could. But let's let's look at some of the answers that people gave. Someone there, what they thought. Uh, so again, the question was, uh, would you keep a monitor species, and if so, which one? And Travis Wyman's first answer I see, and his answer was nope. Uh, too much special care to account for both their metabolism and their brains, which again is the reasons I don't do it. Uh, it says, I do not think most keepers are capable of properly caring for these, which is kind of what we just said. That I, 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 as someone who doesn't keep monitors, I, I don't know if I'm qualified to say yes, people aren't qualified to keep them. But Mike, you keep monitors, and you just said people aren't qualified to keep them, so I feel we're good. You, f- you feel validated, James? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. I'm glad. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely not for everybody. I mean, I, I feel like anyway, it's just an animal that you need to devote a heck of a lot of time to, you know? I mean, there's some people that they do want theirs tame and puppy dog, and you know, they have a lot of expectations from it when they first buy, and they don't realize, like, oh, damn, I'm going to have to, you know, try and interact with this thing every single day and try to make it a good interaction to actually get them the way that I want them. And and it just goes back to people actually having that effort to put in to be able to do that. Well, I think people think of – they won't – we always use the term puppy dog tame, and they assume that that's what it's going to be. But they don't work the way dogs. Dogs are stupid. And I love my dogs, but if you feed a dog, it loves you. Like there's, it doesn't take much to get the trust of a dog. But from my understanding, monitors, it takes a shit ton to get trust from them. And it doesn't take much to break the trust from a monitor. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's totally right. I mean, you know, it could take just one bad interaction that'll literally ruin a monitor's personality for the rest of their life. It will be traumatized and no matter what you do, they'll always be flighty or whatever. And that's kind of where where you kind of mentioned, you know, a dog, it's unconditional love. You can, you know, beat the dog and yell at the dog, but they're always going to come back and, you know, want pets or want food or whatever. Whereas the monitor, you know, they don't care, you know, monitor don't give an F. It's literally just, they want food. They don't care where it's coming from. Um, there's some, there's some that say that reptiles in general are incapable. Their brains actually don't have that section that uh, allows them to love or care for anything so uh i don't i don't really have an opinion on that myself but I mean, know, they, have for, to, they have the ability to tolerate though that's really what we're aiming for exactly to tolerate me yes and that's what i like to say like you're not gonna have if your goal is to have your monitor like like you and be affectionate towards you then get a dog you know it's they're gonna tolerate you for a certain amount of time and even the tamest animals you know you poke them one too many times then uh, they're still gonna revert back to that, uh, that you know, nature and you know, take a crack at you. Well, and you talk about the 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 bad experience is what harms it. It's, that bad experience is usually that gloved hand coming in there and grabbing them off of something that they don't want to come off of. And because we yeah, assume exactly. I want to hold you, and you go in and you grab that monitor. But I've watched a lot of videos of people that are training monitors, and it's very much a I'm gonna keep handing you food until one day you walk onto my hand where I'm handing you food. Yep. Which is fine until they get food obsessed at that point, and then they bite the living crap out of your finger. So <laughs> yeah, that would start. There's, there's definitely there's definitely uh, you know different things that you can do to get a yeah you know food motivation. I mean, it's going to be the number one motivator for pretty much any reptile. But um, yeah, it's just a matter of you know positive reinforcement and uh, just sticking with it. You know, I mean, there's people that'll say like in your example where you don't want to you know, stick your giant hand in there and just grab them off whatever they're hanging out on. And, you know, that's going to traumatize them. 
but at the same time, you know, you, you're going to sit there, you got to have some real patience, uh, just sitting there waiting for them to crawl up on your hand or trying to, you know, nudge your hand underneath them. So, uh, there's definitely a lot of different methods you could use, but I guess it kind of just depends on your, uh, your uh, patience level. Well, I think people always freak out because they all have the sharp nails. And so like when they yeah, go the climbing on you nails and the freaking big ass teeth. No, well, the sharp you. nails just, just when they're climbing on these, they scratch you. So the person's first instinct is, well, I'll just hold you so you don't move. Well, that's not what they want. They want to climb on you. So yeah, you got exactly. to take there. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, you, you can trim the nails, but at the end of the day, there's still going to be sharp nails no matter how much you trim them. And you can, I guess it's kind of just one of those things you get used to where it's like, okay, yeah, like a, uh, croc monitors, nails on trim. Yeah, that's pretty much unbearable. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, even most monitor species, when they have their nails trimmed, it could be pretty painful having them climb all over. But I guess it's kind of just one of those things you get used to where it's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I don't really care too much about my, uh, my, uh, out, outward appearance. And I'm perfectly fine with looking like I'm a, you know, teenage cutter or whatever. But you can constantly um, look like, you're on suicide yeah, watch. Yeah, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of just something you got to accept. And, you know, obviously, you know, if you wear designer jeans, then that's not going to work out either because, you know. They'll give you that shredded look. I mean, people pay extra for that. I guess so, yeah. If you're lucky enough to get the, the uh, tears in the, right, in the right spots, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, uh, let's look at something like Darren Watson. These are cool. I remember the first time I saw these. He said it's a loaded question for him, but green tree monitors would be his favorite. Uh, but he also says, you know, husbandry space. I, I, I did notice a lot of things. Most of our listeners understand their weaknesses. And I guess that's mainly because most of our listeners are snake people. And we're like, that's a lot of work because I can leave my snakes alone for a week and they're okay. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but green trees, I do agree, Darren. Green tree monitors are cool looking. They remind me of the little... Uh, the little dinosaurs from the Jurassic Park movies, the little like the traveling packs. Oh yeah, I they didn't end think up about that. The little girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gallimimus, maybe. That sounds good. Look, I don't do scientific names, so y'all. That's I. I, that's I usually just, just I usually just say them really fast so people didn't have time to correct me on it. <laughs> Like most of it, just yeah, say Varanus. Right. Just, just say Varanus, and then throw something behind it. And like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Bryant McDowell said uh, Argus monitors, but also he said they're a bit too advanced for them right now. Uh, that would be cool. That's a a decent sized lizard, though. That's a huge I, I would lizard. Honest, yeah, not only that, but I would honestly say that. I mean, that's literally like a Velociraptor, like you know, clever girl from Jurassic Park. They are really. I've I've kept three of them now, and they are they are I don't want to say that they're as bad as now monitors because they don't have as terrible of an attitude, but they'll outsmart you with literally everything, and they just don't stop. They will literally drive you to tearing your hair out and literally just wanting to you know set them on fire. They're literally just total bastards. See, I know a lot of people like they they like that idea of a super smart animal. I don't want any of my animals outthinking me, not a single one of them. And, yeah, and this is one of the. I mean, I've spent enough time. I have one, my oldest one, that's uh, oh, crap, eleven years old now, and she's a senior citizen. But I mean, she's put me through hell. I mean, at one point, I'd say that that animal was the bane of my existence, <laughs> and 
I've, I mean, I've kept just about every single monitor species, and I'd say that if I could go back, I mean, it was a fun experience and all, but no freaking thank you. An Argus monitor, it's just literally Satan in every in every respect. Oh, here goes another snake person. Jason Brumley said that's going to be a no for me as far as keeping a monitor in general, because again, we we know that that's going to require work and time. Uh, Ryan Goslow said, I'd love either a Nile, Lace, or Argus monitor, which we just realized, Ryan, no. No Argus monitor. Mike said yeah. so. So two of those are going to be nasty as hell, and the other one's going to cost you a down payment on a car. Yes, Lace monitors are ridiculous. I thought uh, the la- didn't, didn't one just sell at a show? There were the Bells phase at uh, Conroe. I don't know if he sold any. He may have sold one. He had like four or five there. Uh, maybe more. I don't. I don't know. They don't. Cause like I said last time, they don't do anything for me. I don't get it. Okay, so I, let me. Add. Bell's phase is just a color phase of a lace monitor, right? Uh, it's it's complicated. Uh, some will say it's a morph. Yeah, yeah. Some will say it's a morph. Others will say it's a locality. But I mean, uh, to be honest, I've never bred them before, so I wouldn't know what you actually get if you breed a normal to a Bell's. But uh, it's a it's a you know wild occurring morph, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I mean, they're all over the place in Australia. Um, they kind of, I don't know if their territories overlap or not, but, uh, obviously most people seem to think that the bell stays are a lot, you know, be more beautiful and more at a higher price. Therefore. So, so uh, the main difference between the two is a price tag, right? More or less. Yeah. I mean, just, just the pattern, uh, they're going to, it's the same exact size, same exact, uh, temperament. Uh, all the same. It's just going to be a different price tag and a different uh, pattern. Which one is um, Smiley? Because you have one, right? Yeah, so uh, Mrs. Smiley is a Bell's phase. Okay. Um, yes, and so, I mean, like you said, now they're actually becoming a little bit more readily available, so I wouldn't be shocked if uh, she's kind of depreciated a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm not up to date on the pricing at all, but I, I know that they're becoming a little bit more available, and uh, uh, that's pretty good because, you know, Australia, they don't allow any to export. I'm sure, you know, April, you you know as well, yep. with the uh, carpet pythons, they don't allow the export of any of their animals. So it's basically just whatever's been here before, what was it, the mid-70s or whatever, when they passed that law? By, by here, you mean Germany. Uh, wink, wink, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, the, the stuff stuff gets here occasionally. You know, it'll, it'll float up on the uh, Florida coast on a lock occasionally. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it's you know what, what what's been here before uh, the Australian export ban was passed. Well, it's like a uh, blue tongue skinks. I remember seeing the first like melanistic blue tongue in Australia, like pictures of it. And then several years later, I'm like, oh, look at all these people in America with melanistic blue tongue skinks. That's crazy. So, uh, Ryan Goslow said. Uh, with, along with wanting the Nile Lace or Argus, he said if he could have anything, he would want a Komodo Dragon or hands down, or hands down, or maybe a Parenti, uh, which are two massive lizards. Uh, Komodos, I, I agree, that would be totally cool if you could have a Komodo. They are amazing, and they are like the king of lizards. But I, I really love the look of Croc monitors. Like I know that I don't want to deal with them because they'll kill me, but they're an awesome. Like it, that face is the closest you get to looking like a dinosaur to me. Like just the way the eyes sit on the head and the way it's round. Like it's an awesome looking lizard. 
Yeah, and I to think me, it's savannas remind me more of dinosaurs. You're wrong. It's okay. I know my opinion is. Yeah. But croc monitors, just the look on their face intimidates me. Yeah, and to be honest, me too. I'd probably say that they're probably one of the most dangerous animals I have in my collection. Um, Probably one of those reasons being that I haven't really interacted with them as long as I have some other species, so I don't really know how to read them 100%, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm way more comfortable handling rattlesnakes than I am uh, in my croc monitor. Yeah, I, I I interned in a zoo that had a croc monitor, and that was a completely hands off animal. And uh, he was big. I mean, they 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 get super big. You don't realize it until you see a big a big male, but they are a huge lizard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, with tail included. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Luckily, they're not really much for the the tail whipping, uh, like most other monitor species, because that'd be a hell of a whip. But um. Yeah, I mean, when you walk into the the room, you can just see, I mean, their presence is almost just like overwhelming, staring you down, trying to find out, you know, what your next move is. I mean, they're they're reading you the entire time, trying to figure out how they can take advantage of the situation, definitely. Well, they don't get the general public coverage like a Komodo dragon does. You know, we all remember growing up seeing videos of Komodo dragons and eating the big old uh, water buffaloes and all that. Whenever you see one at a zoo... They, they honestly don't look that threatening. Like, And I've seen lots of people like at zoos where you can actually go in, they can touch them, and I'm not saying you should, but they don't look that threatening. But anytime you look at a croc monitor, you're like, that thing wants to kill me. Oh, yeah. And he's thinking, yeah, I mean, what it's needs usually, to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're usually perched up higher, or obviously, you know, with the height, a lot more intimidating. Kabotos, you know, they're kind of lazy. They'll sit around, wait for something to come to them. Whereas opposed to the croc, you know, they'll actively go out and hunt and actually, you know, they have the keen to be able to ambush and everything and they'll sit up in the canopy and just pounce. That's crazy. Uh, does anybody own Parentes? Is that a... And happens in, in the States? Well, I don't think so. Well, some besides zoological institutions, uh, I think the LA Zoo actually has a pair, but... I, I think Ty Park was somehow able to get a hold yeah, of a pair. Do. I mean, I don't know. But um, besides that, no, they're not really in the, the U.S. Uh, I've seen a few in Australia, and I've been told that their bites are probably one of the worst, even uh, worse than croc monitors. But, um, I mean, yeah, I'm really? not too sure. I'm not wow. too familiar with them. But, yeah, I mean, they get, you know, Varanus giganteus, they get pretty big. So, so they're big. I know uh, that. Uh, is that uh, the one scientific name you know, James? <laughs> no, I don't know that name, but I mean, I, I know Parentes in general. Big, like I saw rescuers down under, and the lizard in that was a Parenti. So I know all okay. about Parentes. Okay, you're the. It's expert funny because now. I literally watched that like a couple weeks ago with my kid, and he had no interest in it. And so, <laughs> I was, I was, so I was stuck there watching it instead. That's a great I movie. Got, like halfway through it. <laughs> I love the albatross in those movies. He's hilarious. Oh yeah. They don't make them like that anymore. I know. I love. <laughs> 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 Ryan Ryan Holland said Varanus coming guy, coming whatever. What is it? Coming guy, you're gonna you're gonna lose me with the water monitors because I've never really gotten into them. I have uh, I have a T positive albino, and I'm pretty sure it's just a regular 
uh, Varanus um, Salvadori. Uh, I have no idea what the localities. You know, they have black dragons, which are Cordenses. Uh, there's, like you mentioned, the Cumin guy, which are were rare at one point, but I think they're kind of not all over the place, but getting a little bit more common. But yeah, it's kind of just a matter of catching up with um, uh, you know the scientific names, trying to figure out if it's just the locality, a morph, or a whole different species. That's that's more than me. I just know water monitors. And I remember growing up, water exactly. monitors are big and mean. That's all I remember. They were big and mean. Which yeah, which is not on one of the yeah, those what? are probably one of the monitor species that are. They're very nice, depending on where you get them from. But at the same time, yeah, like you said, I mean, they get pretty damn big. And not to mention the fact that they're semi-aquatic, too. So there's not a lot of people that can provide a giant enclosure with a giant uh, pool in it. Well, and, and and then you watch, like, videos from Nerd where he's just, like, petting them on the chin and they're great. And, they, and he's done a great job. And everybody sees that and goes, I want that. And then they go to their local cheap reptile show and, like, I'm going to buy one. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not what he's petting. Like if you're not you're not buying what he raised over there. Yeah, so. there's a reason why uh, Kevin charges as much as he does for his animals because they're pre-socialized and they come from uh, bloodlines that actually uh, they've been in captivity for a while and he's kind of grown them out of that. So like that's actually where mine came from. And I, like I said, I mean I have two kids, one being a newborn. I did not have time to socialize most of these animals. And, yeah, this water monitor, I mean, each on his own, he'll try and crawl out onto your hand. I've never, I've handled him maybe a few times. That's it. Yeah, it's, that's the problem with YouTube videos with some of these species. They go, well, that guy can do it. Yeah, but you're not that guy. <laughs> yeah, and you haven't put in that much effort or time. And that that's where, yeah, you know, I mean, people want things as quickly and as uh, convenient as possible these days. And. Uh, monitors are definitely not for people who have that mentality. Which, which, in un, unfortunately, being a lot of imported monitors tend to have a lower price tag on some of them. And so these people go, well, I'm not going to buy the expensive one, but I can buy it for this. And then we have all the problems we have with people letting things go. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of just a classic example of uh, you get what you pay for, you know, when you buy your first car or whatever, it's usually a piece of crap. You know, you try and get it for as cheap as possible at the used dealership. You'll get something that looks nice and you'll end up with a piece of crap because you paid, you know, only a few grand for it. So some people do learn eventually that it's like, okay, you know, you don't get, you don't need the you know top of the line craziest morph. You can just get like, you know, the mid range, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely get what you pay for. You pay, you know, pay a bottom price it's going to be a wild caught animal that's never been socialized and you'll probably end up having to deworm yeah, it's 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 not going to go well for you you're it's going to be lots of big leather gloves and cussing oh yeah i mean yeah, unless you you already educated bills. yourself ahead of time and you already you know were in the right mindset that you had to do all this socializing and had to do all that but i don't think like you were saying you see a video on I was going to say Facebook, but I meant YouTube. Um, you see a video on YouTube and it's the nicest little quote unquote puppy dog tame thing. And then you go and get a great deal at a reptile show and it's absolute hell. 
Yeah. What a great or deal it was, better. though. Yeah, 60 bucks plus cage. <laughs> yeah, plus exactly. Plus 10-gallon tank. 10-gallon tank. Or your water monitor. Yeah, there you go. Just start them out in that. Or even better, you you know go to the reptile show where they have the AC going full blast. You uh, pick up so a nice... Yeah, exactly. Pick up a nice uh, blue tree monitor. Oh my god, this thing is so tame. It's so nice. It's, you know, just hanging out. You bring him home, get him heated up, and he's literally the spawn Satan. <laughs> Did you happen to do that? <laughs> uh, it was a peach throat monitor, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> you should have gone, no, I've never done that. I mean, it, was, it was a peach throat. Uh, well, you, you, you always learn. Ryan Hall also and said it ha- black. It happens, with, it happens with snakes, too. That's how they get you, yes. you know? Yes, you get a blood yes. python or whatever, it's cold as hell. It's sitting there, you know. You bring I it know home nothing and it gets about heat. that. <laughs> you bring it home, you warm it up, and yeah, things bite the crap out of you. Well, that's my problem. Is my display at shows is heated, so I know that my little Sambo babies that are pissed off at home are also going to be pissed off at the show. And people are like, can I hold it? And I'm like, uh, not unless you're buying it, because I'm not getting bit for fun. Yeah, yeah well, you, you uh, advertise, uh, you're, you properly advertise then. You know, you, you get exactly what you pay for. This is this is what this is what it will be when it gets home. Yeah. Yep, you know what to expect. No surprises. <laughs> uh, Ryan Hollett also said blackthroat monitors, which I like blackthroat. I mean, to me, they're they're very similar to a, um, a savanna. I mean, and I'm sure someone out there going, no, they're not. But look to the when you look at them, they're they're very similar. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, I guess gait and um, just the the robustness. Uh, you know, black and white robotics. Yeah, the head shape, which, you know, I mean, Africa with the evolution, you know, could very well just be something that, you know, evolved off of a span or vice versa. But yeah, uh, yeah the main difference is uh, just the pattern uh, and the size difference, really. I mean, they pretty much act exactly the same in terms of uh, they don't really care for water too much. Um, they're pretty lazy. Um, and they're probably one of the, I, I don't want to use the word easiest to tame, but uh, you can get them to tolerate pretty well. Well, you see like videos or pictures of the guys like with a four foot black throat just carrying it around like a baby with the head over the shoulder and they're just like hugging it. And they're like, I want that. I'm like, yeah, but that's not always what you get again. Mike, yeah, was, yeah. was Sizzler a white throat or a black throat? Yeah, so he was a white throat monitor, a Mozambique uh white throat and yeah most people yeah i think actually he and he may or may not have been wild caught but um that was my first white throat prior to that i did have a black throat which was my first um sorry my second monitor after the savannah and he was probably second in line to my you know one of my favorite animals that i've ever owned um and yeah, I mean, you get what you put in, basically, you know, I think I started out with this thing, it would bite the crap out of you, whip you, and then you pick it up and it would just crap all over you. And you'd be wondering to yourself, like, I'm not getting any satisfaction out of this thing. I'm not enjoying this, you know, <laughs> what's the point? But, you know, the people who stick with it, and I think I actually ended up just wrapping him in, uh, in towels, carrying him around that way so I wouldn't get crapped on. And after about a month, you know, the the... the the expulsion of feces ended uh, after <laughs> another two months after that, the tail whipping stopped and then the hissing stopped. And, you know, you take it you know, one step at a time. I just remember um, with Sizzler that your wife 
dress him oh, up in a hot hold, dog hold costume. On, April. April, you sound like a robot. Say it again. Do I sound like a robot still? Uh, you're good now. Okay. <laughs> I remember um, Erica dressing up. Uh, that's uh, Mike's wife, uh, Sizzler, in a hot dog costume, and like he tolerated it and was fine. <laughs> yeah, that probably that lizard, that monitor probably is my favorite monitor ever. Um, maybe because he was lazy and didn't do very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was perfectly happy to do it too. But yeah, probably uh, words that any serious uh, serious monitor enthusiast would just. Uh, basically Cringe. discredit you for <laughs> yeah exactly but uh, when alcohol is involved is involved you know i mean the sky's the limit so um ryan holland to finish off he said uh printy also if he had a large species and then he said peacock monitors or blue tree monitors for a small species uh which blue trees are pretty i mean they're blue so they're pretty it's it, they're gorgeous. I, I feel like most reptile people if you make something blue they go oh it's amazing and so blue tree monitors are blue everybody loves them I feel like someone said uh, mangrove too. Did you already say that? I haven't got to that one yet. Oh, okay. uh, Victor said blue and green tree monitors because of the colors. But as far as handling goes, he would want Savannah. Which, again, I think Savannah's are cool. I just don't have a space. I think that's something that they don't... Savannahs don't get enough space and enough area to dig in most people's cages. Yeah, and that's the big thing is um, they need... Even the lazier species, they need... I mean, a very, very deep soil or sand or whatever you want to provide them with because, yeah, they will dig, uh, dig caverns and they'll just sit there clawing and clawing and they're going to dig right out of your cage if you don't have enough. So, uh, yeah, even for those lazier species, you need not only a big enclosure but a really deep bed. Um, okay, so other ones. Ish said green trees, mangroves, and... Uh, Quince monitors. Quince? That's how you say it, right? Quince monitors. Mm -hmm. Quince, Quince, uh, potato, potato. <laughs> Quiche, whatever they are. Uh, mangroves are... How, how calm is a mangrove? They're not calm monitors, are they? No, absolutely terrible. Probably one of the worst... Uh, if you've never owned a monitor, yeah, one of the worst ones you can get. Uh, so, mangroves are Bronisindicus, and that pretty much covers... Um, even though they're different species, the Indicus complex will cover uh, Dorianus, blue tails, um, also peach throats, even though they look completely different. They're more or less from Southeast Asia, kind of uh, very similar. Uh, they have different colorations, different patterns, but in terms of behavior, very similar. They like to be around water, extremely skittish, uh, mid-sized monitor. Uh, yeah, they'll bite the crap out of you. Extremely difficult to tame. Yeah, my, my blue tail was not a fan of being touched, which was, I, I was that weird one that put a, like, I wanted it to go outside. So obviously, to go outside, you have to put a leash on it. So I put a leash on it, and uh, it would just run back and forth along the wall of my house with a leash on it. was like, it was basically like having a kite at that point. <laughs> that sounds about right. Actually, uh, excuse me, uh, looking back on it, uh, I think I haven't bit by a lot of stuff. Um, a imported mangrove monitor, which was maybe, I'd say this thing was no bigger than 18 inches. Probably one of the worst bites I've ever had. Um, I think it was probably just because it was an import. Uh, I've never had a bite swell up like that and get infected. But oh, yeah, that wow. monitor sure did it. And they have they have nasty teeth. 
So is that yeah, the one not, that uh, uh, you had in the water? Well, no, is it no, a water no. one? No, no. Which one was that? That does. I know that's totally not helpful. But when I was there, it was <laughs> in a smaller cage and in a blue tub of water. I recall that. that <laughs> and it that always chilled in the water. Been, that may have been another um, mangrove monitor. But no, this was a this was a prior one that was totally wild caught and um, yeah, extremely flighty and would just bite the living hell out of you. And that's the other thing I guess that's worth mentioning with a uh, wild caught monitor is is uh, I'm gonna open up a whole can of worms here, but like this goes into the monitors are venomous debate, which I mean you can show me whatever evidence you want, but I think it's a load of hooey. Uh, you know, at some point you got to decide, you know, what exactly is venom as opposed to saliva. But, um, you know, you would always hear about Komodo dragons. That's how they kill their prey is they have all the, you know, bacteria and all the nastiness in their saliva that basically does, uh, you know, does in the deer or the boar or whatever eventually. And they just sit there waiting for it. Um, and that's what you're getting basically from wild cup monitors is that bacteria Yummy. I, I don't want to get bit by any Cor of them. Coronavirus and all. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Tagna Lancet said Savannah and Roughnecks. Aren't Roughnecks, they're similar to like Blackthroats and Savannahs, right? Uh, so Roughneck Monitor is actually uh, also kind of like Indo-Pacific. Um, so you got the Brown Roughnecks and then Black Roughnecks. Um, gotcha. And they're kind of more... I don't want to generalize them because they're so different from each other, but uh, they do like uh, kind of like more swampy areas, you know, uh, areas with water, uh, a little bit more arboreal species. And okay, so they're, they're of, more like water monitor shaped. Yeah, in fact, uh, yeah, in fact, a doom reels monitor, when you look at one, I mean, yeah, they're but ugly as adults, but uh, they kind of have a really <laughs> similar body structure and head shape to a water monitor. Uh, Bill Bradley said blue tails, mertens, and mangroves. Uh, we talked about blue tails. What's up? Okay, mertens. I know the name. I can't place the monitor. Uh, so that's actually a Australian species of water monitor, um, which somehow made its way across from um, Indonesia across uh, Papua New Guinea into uh, northern Australia. Uh, and it's, I'd say, I don't want to say a dwarf water monitor because they still get about four to five feet. But compared to most other uh, water monitor species, they actually stay a lot smaller, uh, but also a lot harder to find and uh, with a heftier price tag. Dude, Man, going through this post just makes me realize how... Uh, any monitor species, basically, that I've been introduced in, it's been at your house, Mike, and I didn't realize how many you've actually had until we're going through all this. <laughs> you've had so freaking many. I, 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 it's no joke, ADD reptiles. I, you know, it, I guess maybe not the best business model, but I get bored easily. So, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of want to experience all of it. And a responsible monitor keeper never has <laughs> more than, I think, maybe seven to ten monitors at a time. So, you know, not to say once you get bored of one, then, you know, it's time to move on. But, um, yeah, you if you want to be responsible about it anyway. 
yeah, you know, I mean, you kind of just pass them on to friends or whatever and uh, kind of trade them out. And I guess that's what's kind of allowed me to have as much experience as uh, being able to have more or less at one point or another every single species. And uh, just, you know, they're, they're all so different from each other. You know, it's very difficult to kind of generalize care um, for, for animals like this. We've got the variety. We've got Lance Kirkman, Stephen Livingston, Lavissa Ratliff, and Wiley Cunningham all said Ackies. Uh, Stephen and Lance said red Ackies. Wiley said yellow Ackies. But uh, they're 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 like. And so I want to give this later, but we can do it now. If you were okay, now this is like horrible, but beginner monitor, would you say Ackies? Probably the best beginner monitor. Mm-hmm. In theory, they should be, but the uh, price tag is usually a pretty big uh, deterrent to most yeah. first-time buyers. And that's kind of what it, I guess, boils down to with uh, most animals. I guess, like, in your guys', uh, for uh, example, that's better understood by the snake community would be, like, a reticulated python. Where, I mean, probably, I mean, I guess I don't really want to get into the, the politics of reptile keeping, but... Probably half of the people that own like reticulated pythons or anacondas have no business owning them. You're being so, generous. It's way more than half. <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, I don't want to get into politics or throw anybody under the bus, but um, yeah, it's kind of along the same lines where there's very few people who, and you know, I mean, I don't want to put restrictions on anything by any means, but I mean, at some point, it kind of has to be where. Yeah. Okay, I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, and I and I get that the the problem is it's definitely price because like like we said, you could probably still find savannas for twenty dollars on the table. Yeah, and I guess I mean maybe that's that's as horrible of a business model as you know people would see it. I mean, I think despite the uh, the common availability of some of these animals, you know, whether they be green iguanas or whatnot. Just as a deterrent, I mean, I think that people should just come together and agree, okay, let's just raise the price on them. And, you know, nobody's going to undercut anybody, which, I mean, that's never going to happen in the reptile community. But I really only see that as a solid solution because, like I said, with Ackies, I mean, they're a perfect beginner monitor. But they're an Australian species, and most, if not all, Australian reptiles, I guess, besides bearded dragons for obvious reasons— uh, warrant a hefty price tag. So, and, and as we've seen, the only way for a group of breeders or community to agree to raise the price is importation has to stop. I mean, that's 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 when you see these prices get right go up on certain species that have always been cheap animals. Is it, it also coincides with? Oh no, we can't import them anymore. Um, and and that's yeah, why I mean, no one. These... That's... Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of these things, there's no reason to import green iguanas anymore. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to plug Ty Park by any means because there's tons of other people, but... Yeah, I mean, but he is the man so when it comes many. to iguanas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's him, there's Tom Crutchfield, uh, there's, you know, Sam Pascucci. I mean, there's so many iguana breeders. I mean, there's just absolutely no reason to be taking these things from the wild, even though they're all over the place. And that, I mean, even that... When you are a reptile dealer, you know, yeah, it might be a cheap animal that you're selling. You're getting really cheap and you're making a profit on it. But at the same time, you got to think of, okay, 
you know, I have a responsibility being in this hobby. I'm selling this animal that's come from who knows where. Uh, you know, I've had it for maybe a week or two. I don't know what the condition is of this animal. And I'm going to sell it. And this person's probably going to have a bad experience with it. And he's never going to want to buy another reptile ever again. I just, it's, like I said, there's there's certain things, like you said, that just don't need to be imported. But they're, they're going to keep being imported because people will keep buying them. Um, you know, luckily, kind of with ball pythons, we said, okay, well, normal ball pythons don't do it anymore. So, yes, they still import Aren't ball pythons. are they still importing them? They're still importing them, but it's not like before. I mean, you're not getting these giant boxes. I know where that. Yeah, I know that Africa, and actually it's funny enough because, you know, ball pythons are supposed to be all nice and cuddly, but I've actually, the only ball python I've ever been bit by was an import. <laughs> and that puts that puts me uh, probably in line with being bit by just about every single uh, quote-unquote friendly reptile species. But um, I know Africa's gotten a lot better with uh, their export. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to be ignorant by any means and get false information, but uh, I know that they have put some restrictions on that, and that's why uh, you don't see as many wild-caught savanna monitors and black-throat monitors and white-throats, especially I know are a lot harder to find, which is good. It's it's, it's going to take for like, as far as like I think savanna monitors. One, it's going to take a constant supply of people breeding them. Which is two things. One, it's got to be, I'll say, it's basically got to be easy enough for them to breed them. And you've got to be able to sell them. It's very hard to go to a show selling a baby's Savannah monitor for 400 bucks when the person next to you is selling them for 40 bucks. Yeah, we yeah, got the same exactly. thing. We're like, well, I can just buy for 40. Yeah, but that's not, it's not the same. You're not buying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. that's, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah, trying to convince that. someone of that, though. That's hard. Yeah, I know. Trying to, yeah trying to break that mentality that's just been instilled in the reptile hobby and community is going to be real tough. Uh, when you're dealing with anything, not even just, you know, monitor species. Yeah. Um, Scott Borden said green tree monitors as well as black roughneck monitors. He said he has those, so likes those. Uh, Riley, if anybody's ever watched Riley Jemison's videos, knows he has a Savannah monitor. It's in every video just staring at you from over Riley's shoulder. <laughs> I think it's uh, Reptar, I think is its name. No, it's not Reptar. It's something else. I don't sound right. Is it Reptar? All right. I don't know, I maybe. See. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I could be wrong. Anyways, Ashley Howdy said, uh, Salvatore's, um, she would love a Philippine water monitor. That She's got a picture of her with a monitor on her neck there. And then Scott Iper didn't follow the rules of last week's podcast. Because, Scott, last week you decided to give us an extinct species, which doesn't count. I told you you were banned, and yet you still answered this week. Uh, he said the Varanus giganteus that we talked about earlier. Well, he has them, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he enjoys, we say, I thoroughly enjoy working with yada, yada, yada. But it doesn't matter, Scott Iper's answer doesn't count, because he was banned from this week. And he keeps them outside too, but what? he also oh, yeah. He, yeah. he lived in Australia, I believe. Right? I'm not wrong when I say that, right? No, that's right. Okay. It's a little easier to keep <laughs> something outside to do when you live where it lives. It's a little easier to do. Yeah, no kidding, huh? <laughs> I'd be afraid. I'm honestly, I keep my tortoises outside, and then back in my head every day, I'm like, oh, I hope somebody didn't steal them. Like that's that's unfortunately that's the world you live in. 
It's like the, the the number one reason I don't keep things outside is not so much I'm afraid of mites and bugs and this or that. Like, I don't want people to steal my shit. You know, I, I've heard some of the other podcasters talk about we should try to keep more things outside if you can. That's true, but if I have a five six hundred dollars snake, I don't want to keep it outside. I'm afraid something will happen to it. So, as much as that would Mike, be cool, do you still keep a bunch of stuff outside? You're in, he's in yeah, Southern California, could, so. Yeah, if I could go back, uh, I would have never given it any thought because it's just a nightmare, especially in Southern California where, you know, I mean, everybody always thinks that it's warm and sunny and fantastic, but nobody tells you that during the winter time, especially, you know, depending on where you are in the valley, uh, it could get down to potentially the low 30s at night. So, uh, yeah, if you're trying to keep animals outside, even tortoises, you know, you got to have some kind of a backup for if the power goes out or if the bolt dies. So I, I slightly Facebook stalked you, Mike, when you told me you're going to be on. And I recall seeing a picture of one animal that I desperately do want. But again, I'm horrified to get because I don't want to put it outside because someone will steal it. You have an Aldabra, don't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, the Big Lebowski. Um, he is about three years old now, three or four years old. And yeah, he's, he's pretty nice. Um, he's gotten a little bit more annoying with size just because my kid has like, uh, you know, those, uh, outdoor water toys, like the tubs and stuff. And he'll go and like scratch himself and knock the whole thing over and just trample it. Um, so yeah, they can be very destructive, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And obviously the humidity thing is a issue in California, but, uh, if you can do it, it's it's really awesome because, yeah, I mean, keeping them indoors is just, yeah, it's, it's not possible. I just, I'm horrified of putting a $2,000 plus dollar animal outside and someone walking by and going, I want that and just taking it. Like, I know it sounds bad because I have four sulcatas outside. But if someone takes one, I'm like, oh, that would suck. But to be honest, I never paid for either one, any of them. Uh, if $2,000 went missing one day. I'd feel pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I have radiated tortoises outside as well, which... Oh, damn. Yeah, a lot of people would, obviously, you know, that's a huge no-no, but uh, they do fine. You know, they all have heated boxes and everything, and um, the Eldabra's actually in my uh, my gated yard, so I'm not really too worried about that. I can always lock that, but yeah, on my hillside, I have some tortoise species, including the radiateds, and um, it, it keeps you up at night occasionally, but... Um, you know, that's well, what cameras you have coyotes are for. and stuff too. There's that. Would yeah. the coyotes be interested <laughs> in them? Because that freaks me out. Because they come so. right down to that hillside. Oh yeah, yeah. You would think so, but my big my thought has always been, um, especially where we live. I mean, desert tortoises. Probably, unless you grew up there in the '70s, you've probably never seen one in your life. So, uh, I don't think it's like a natural prey item for them, but. I have had actually tortoises in the backyard chewed up by uh, rodents. That's the oh, main wow. issue, which, I mean, I guess you could have that anywhere where if you have a rodent problem. We talked about yeah, that I mean, last week. Really nasty. They were having an issue in, in uh, Great Britain with uh, COVID happening and less restaurants serving food, less scraps. And they were finding more rodents were going into these uh, gardens, these people's ha uh, houses, and chewing on their tortoises they keep in the gardens. Yeah, because yeah, they're nasty business. I mean, yeah, mice especially. I mean, if you've ever, 
you know, for those who raise their own live food with snakes, you'll know that mice are probably some of the most vile uh, animals on the face of the earth. You know, they'll just devour their own young for no apparent yeah. reason. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people actually keep um, rat mothers with their mice to minimize that risk. But yeah, just very dirty, vile creatures. I uh, I worry down here, especially in the winter, with fire ants because I have a heated barn, and fire ants will find the heat and build a nest there. And I'm always afraid of. I've I've had them build nests inside of my tortoise barns before, and I've used um, diatomaceous earth to try and kill them as much as like you'll hear the you'll go don't use diatomaceous earth it could hurt your tortoise and then you hear people go do use it it's great for your tortoise, but uh, it would help get rid of some of the ants. But man, those fire ants will build a mound right around the base of the heater and heat their entire mound. And I'm just like, oh, what if they decide to go after my tortoises when they're like locked in the barn and I can't do shit about it? Yeah, Although people just know what the fire ants kind of, are. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just weigh the positives to the negatives, and you know, you make a uh, educated decision. But yeah, I guess I, that's what keeps the uh, reptile hobby interesting. Is even after you know, if you've been doing this 15, 10, 20 years. You still run into uh, problematic experiences like that, where I guess it keeps you thinking on how to, you know, solve certain situations. I'm just finally happy. I, I, I've almost officially finished my tortoise barn uh, just in time for cold weather. I've gone through like three cans of spray foam. Um, I did find out that uh, liquid nails will melt styrofoam, so you can't use that to glue styrofoam to styrofoam. That does not work. <laughs> Uh, in case anybody else is wondering, hey, maybe I can layer the styrofoam together and then shave it to fit. You can't use liquid nails; it will one hundred percent melt the shit. Uh, yeah, but, I've, I've given up on styrofoam as insulation. <laughs> uh, great, the great stuff: foam in a can, expanding foam. I, I got really, go. really good at piling that stuff up and then shaving it into shapes, uh, and I filled all my gaps. The only thing I left is I've got to officially fix something for the door. Uh, but even without the door on, with it getting down to like 50, 51 at night, it's still like almost 80 degrees in my barn right now, which that's even with a giant like two foot by two foot door, like hole in it, letting heat out. So I'm I'm kind of super excited about winter getting here just to see how this barn does. It seems better than my last one, which should. And wait, that's, that's the one that flipped the the breaker last week. <laughs> that's yeah. Well, it is now plugged into a different different socket. <laughs> Uh, it, we're good. Uh, but yeah. my, this barn is 100% cinder block, and all the cinder block holes are filled with sand. And then it's. Yeah, you'd be shocked how well cinder blocks alone, with no mortar, no nothing, will insulate. Oh, man. It's it's holding heat way better than my wooden barn did before. So, those are the joys that also. I know we were talking about monitors, but those are the joys of people out there. Like, I want this $20 Sulcata at the Reptile Show. No, you don't. No, yeah. no, you don't. If, if you like nice gardens and uh, grass in your backyard, then nah, not for you. <laughs> but I'm going to let it live in my house. Well, you're a moron, sir. You're, and it's going to like go yeah, through the wall. And it's going to get MBD, and it's going to eat your carpet and die. <laughs> it doesn't. They they are not a house pet. I'll put a diaper on it. Well, you're an idiot. That's gross. Putting it. <laughs> I mean, just I've seen them piss. I've seen them shit, and I can just think inside that diaper would be horrible. Yeah, and there's no, you know, there's no, I guess, brand of Depends or whatever that can hold that in. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> oh, man. It's coming out. 
<laughs> it, I did, my, my tortoise somehow flipped himself over for the well, he may not be the first time ever. I've just never seen him do it. We got a text from because I've said before, uh, our neighbor texted my wife the other day that our tortoise got flipped over, and we're like, Yeah, we'll be home in a little bit, we'll flip him over when we get home. I got home, he was flipped back over, so uh, he figured it out. Good for him. I think I figured out what's happening though. When he mounts the other male tortoise to uh, assert his dominance, the other male tortoise, I think, is backing up and then flipping him on his ass. Him. So, which I think is hilarious. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to do that? Funny. And then knock him over. Oh, man. It's great. But I do, but all that was sort of because I really want an Aldabra. I used to work with them at the zoo, and I miss my Aldabra so much. Uh, I mean, they do whatever the hell they want to, especially when they weigh 400 pounds. But uh, they are awesome. Yeah, they are, and they're probably one of the, especially uh, when you first start out with them, if you start with a baby, I mean, they're probably the most terrified, unintimidating uh, tortoise species, and that'll last probably for the first, oh, geez, like five to eight years, where when they're that size, they're just terrified of everything, they want nothing to do with anything else, but yeah, once they're past that stage, then, you know, anything is free game, they'll trample anything, they'll go up to you wanting pets. Oh, I love to have their really neck cool. scratched. Like we had a the big oh, yeah. one. You could just scratch his neck. He's like, "This is awesome." So, I'm, so we talked about monitors being great pets if you can house them properly. As much as I say no, no, you don't want a sulcata. Big tortoises make great pets if you can house them properly. And like, there's no way to. I mean, I've done it before. It, to my keeping is much better now, but to the harm of my tortoises that, uh, in the in the past, I have kept them inside in like a plastic pool with a it was horrible they're still alive they're doing great now because they're outside so yeah you can try and skimp but there really is no true way to skimp with these giant tortoises you, you've got to have space and you've got to have a plan for when winter comes the plan can't be just let it roam your house during winter that's not a plan um but if you want a personable pet if you're like i want something that comes to me well we said monitors will do it tortoises will be the same way I mean, I'd be as smart as a monitor, but they, they will come to you, they'll eat out of your hand, they'll let you pet them, they'll, they'll do all the things that make you go, oh, it loves me. So, my, now you're my making slight, me yeah, want a kind of similar it. situation. Yeah, yeah kind what? of similar keeping where it's, you know, a tortoise, yeah, you can put them outside, some of them will hibernate, uh, depending on where you are, but. Yeah, they need just ample space, and you need a plan for it before you purchase the animal. Or it's, yes. uh, I'll figure it out later, whatever. Yeah, no. trust in me, five, you're not going to figure it out later. If you can't figure years. it out on the spot, you're not going to figure it out later. It's the whole, in five years, I'll have a plan. No, 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 no. If you yeah. live in an apartment now, don't assume you'll have a house with a yard in five years. Like, I was yeah, just I mean, thinking, I'm like, Mike, when, you, when are you going to move? Because <laughs> you're going to need a bigger yard. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, that's going to be a uh, dreaded that, having to move all of this stuff, because when I moved initially into the place we have now, I mean, I had maybe half the stuff that I have now, and it was a nightmare. I threw my back You just out had that day. one room, didn't you? It, it like was down half a room, in the garage. Yeah, it was half a room, half a section. And, yeah, so moving all this stuff would just be a freaking nightmare. It yeah, went from, like, cages. this one little room in the garage to, like, taking up the full garage and in the backyard and, like, it just yeah, went everywhere. It started spilling out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that was when we bought this house. The, the My wife looked for certainly, you know, kitchen this size, this, that. There were two things I looked for in every house we looked at. What room is going to be my snake room? 
And does it have a big enough yard for me to house my tortoises? Those are the only two things I was really concerned with. Everything else I can handle. Yeah, it's kind of funny how, yeah, when you look for a new house, it's like, okay, this is all shit that I need to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got and to this house. Find house that's perfect. Yeah, you'll find a house that's perfect otherwise, but, you know, it doesn't have that space in the garage or whatever, so. Yeah, we did. We saw some houses where I was like, ah, the yard's too small. It won't fit four tortoises in the back here. And then we got to this house, and right. the yard was massive. I was like, sold. I can fit my tortoises. It'll be great. Well, in the next place that I buy, I want to have, like, I want to build a reptile building. So I have to have enough land to be able to do that. And then not only that, but make sure that the area that I move to, I can get the permit to make what I want, you know? So See, that yeah, sounds great. Permits. <laughs> Having a building sounds <laughs> great in theory, but, like, I, that means you have to walk outside to go to it. Like if, if yeah, I but that also check... means the smell is outside, too, because even if you keep your collection pristine, there's always going to be that smell of animal. Even if it's I clean animal, there still is that of... smell. I actually, my house doesn't have much of a smell now with the way my, my room's set well, up. when you have a burn and is... a retic and a whole collection That's of blood true. pythons, you will have a little bit of that smell. But, like, I, when my snakes are pregnant, I probably check them 40 times a day, and if I want to, in the middle of the night, I can walk into my snake room naked and check on my snakes. I can't do that I'm if it's not outside. That obsessive about it, so I think I'd be fine. That's because you have eggs. You don't give a shit. They'll be there when you get there. I also well, could bring I... the eggs inside too. So yeah, I think my neighbors would have qualms because you know the animals outside. I have to close up every night uh, when it's cold. I think they'd have qualms with me if I went up there naked on my hillside every night to <laughs> close them up for the. Hey, you know, hey you never know. Try, you know. I've done it in my underwear, but that's as far as I go. I have a little bit more respect for myself than that. So, talking about Mars. So, I know we uh, talked about it. Um, man. I was talking. Okay, go ahead, James. I was talking. Shush. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So, talking about monitors. If someone wants to get into and we kind of hit on a second ago, but if someone wants to get into monitors and they thought about getting into them, if we ignore price, you know, obviously we can find cheaper ones. You agree Aki's outside of price are probably the best, just based on size, right? Size and probably temperament versus something like any of your tree monitors, which are also fairly small, but are not going to be as calm. But completely different, yeah, completely different temperament. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say somewhat similar in size, but uh, yeah, I I would say any, the, the more, the drier species, obviously easier because you eliminate a whole, um, basically aspect of care where with like a green tree monitor, you got to think, okay, how am I going to keep the humidity up? Cause you know, misting in there every other day is not going to cut it. You know, you got to set up a mist King or what have you, something that's going to be constantly keeping up the humidity. Whereas like an Aki monitor or a Savannah monitor, even, um, I mean, you can mist in there, you know, just keep the soil damp, you know, I don't know, maybe every few days and they'll be perfectly fine. So less upkeep, which obviously beginners, you know, you're not going to want to jump into something that you have. You got to do this. You got to turn um, this on at a certain time. You got to miss them at a certain time, and all this stuff. You know, keep it as simple as possible for the the first one. And they still give you that kind of that that simple bearded dragon diet. Like if you've kept a bearded dragon or a leopard gecko, you can feed an aki. You're still feeding it crickets and bugs and stuff, right? It's kind of funny because I mean, even a lot of people with bearded dragons, they do it wrong. But um, they do it really yeah. wrong, actually. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, some species, you know, it, it depends on where your information comes from. And that's why I guess I've always been kind of more of a proponent of books. And that's obviously where I, I got my information from, outdated as it may be. <laughs> um, that's, uh, yeah, where I kind of got into monitors, where I'd look at black and white photos and just be in amazement at certain species, you know, and just dream about owning one at some point. And so do you think there's any other, if someone's out there going, well, I don't really like Ackies, I guess Savannah's, is there anything other than kind of Ackies and Savannah's that fit that mold for someone who's just getting into it? Or yeah, is that really? This is, this is probably the most common question I get asked where a person will initially go to a pet store, you know, or a reptile expo, what have you, and they'll see a monitor they like. And it's usually nine times out of 10, it's going to be a Nile monitor, a mangrove monitor, like some species that's completely unsuitable for a beginner. And there's more, there's basically nothing you can tell them that'll make them hear what they want to hear. They already have it set in their mind. They want you to tell them that, oh yeah, you got to do this, that, and that, and you'll be all set. But it usually doesn't work that way. And yeah, so, I mean, Aki monitors, just because of the smaller size, the only downside is the uh, the price tag, obviously. And then I'd say next in line would be a Savannah monitor, which obviously a very low price tag, a big size difference, but still manageable. And I mean, most people after that would say like a black or white throat monitor, but because of size alone, unless you have some experience in woodworking, then, I mean, it's just not going to work. I mean, even with a Savannah monitor, I mean, unless you know how to build your own cages, unfortunately, the the hobby there's just not there's just not enough uh, companies that offer decent sized cages for animals like that. So it usually ends up being a DIY project with not just the um, the cage itself, but the lighting, pretty much every aspect, uh, with larger monitors. Uh, it requires some kind of a DIY effort on your part. Now with Aki's cage wise, we're talking something like four foot by four foot or like three foot by four foot. Some of a little vertical space, right? But nothing massive. Yeah, I mean nothing massive. You know, they'll they'll climb a little bit just on some rock hedges and whatnot, but uh you don't need to get too crazy with it for an Aki. I mean you could do something like, uh, depending on where you live, you might actually be able to put them outside um, because they can tolerate a certain amount of cold. But uh, for indoor, I mean, you could have something as simple as for just one for a pet. You could have something as simple as a two by four by two, you know, That's for bad. just one single animal. If you want to get it, it just depends on how intricate you want to get. If you, if you want to keep it simple, then that would be fine. Otherwise, you can, you know, whatever space allows but I, I would say that would be the bare the bare minimum for keeping one aki now and then there's also other considerations like uh heating which i mean they need very very high temperature and very uh high uv output which most of the bulbs that you buy um at your local pet store are just, they're not going to cut it for that kind of output that you need. And that's a whole, that's a whole other ballpark that you get into that you don't have to worry about with snakes because 
it's one of those things where um, I feel like hasn't evolved enough or become mainstream enough in uh, reptile keeping is a UVB where the proper measurement and the proper levels are actually, you know, something as important as they, uh, as they should be. Now, I'm assuming you're using like mercury vapor bulbs to get your I mean, UVB. Do you remember, Mike, a few right? years ago? Um, I think it was with your tortoises. Uh, did you want me to answer the first question? Or? Yeah, answer my question. It's more Dude, important. Dude, I just had a weird connection thing. Sorry. I didn't hear James yeah. at all until you just randomly came in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you've been well, lagging a little bit, April. Oh, okay. I'm shocked I've gotten this far because I have horrible service down in my garage. So most of you guys have been robots the entire time. But uh, <laughs> it's worked out. But um, So going back to your question, actually, no. I'm not a big fan of mercury vapor, not only because um, the um, the UVB output is in a very small area and very inconsistent, but I uh, actually use uh, controllers to make my life easier that actually dim and uh, turn off lights at a certain time. So, you, yeah, mercury vapor bulbs, you can't control... Um, same thing with uh jeez, oh what the heck is the other one? There's one other type of bulb that you can't control. The mercury mercury vapor being one of them because they require a um, separate power source, and so you can't dim them. And like gotcha. I said, they're just very the ones that I've used anyway. They're very inconsistent with their um uh their amount of UV put in uh, put out, and they don't they, just, they don't last very long at all. I mean, you can literally um. If I know this isn't something you guys are used to, but you know, if you have a little uh, trimmer here, like we do sometimes in California, that could be enough to shake the bulb enough to you know knock something out of place, and uh, it'll turn a different hue or whatnot. So I just find them kind of unreliable, and they're super expensive for what they are. Um, when you're keeping monitor species, I mean, why leave yourself uh, you know a tiny basking spot with a a really ugly orange light when you can have a basking spot and still control it and then have, you know, a UV strip uh, going throughout uh, part of the cage with much better lighting. So, so what is your basic setup if you were setting up UV and heat? So for yeah. me, I mean, the, you'll actually be surprised where it's not just with monitors, but um, uh, other uh, reptile species like uh, iguanids where, they can actually, I, I don't want to say anything incorrect here, but it's almost like they can recognize when, I don't know if they can see UV light or recognize when they are under it, but sometimes they will actually just seek out uh, like a fluorescent bulb as opposed to the basking spot, the heat. It's almost as if they know that, okay, I've been, you know, dug underground for a little bit or I've just been basking for a while now I need UVB um, so that's where it kind of it depends on where you want to do it I mean some people it might work for them where you could just use a mercury vapor bulb but in that case I would still really uh, recommend having an additional UVB source uh, just to provide light for the cage and I mean it, it's just the what you want to do with it really you know, like if you want control like I do, um, where it actually saves a lot of money if you're not just 
leaving a bolt straight on for the entire day. It actually regulates it to what temperature you want it. Uh, you can save a lot of money doing it that way. But so that's where I have like a basking spot. And then the UV strip usually runs depending on what species it is. I have a shaded spot at the other end of the cage, you know, the cool end, if you will. And then the UV runs close to the basking spot, usually across like half the cage's length. And depending on what species it is, you want to make sure you get the adequate output so you have the right bulb. And then you also have, um, uh, you know, specific heights where they can't get too close to the uh, UV and they can also get close enough to where they're getting the proper levels. Hmm. So, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it than, <laughs> like, so basically, if you have, like, a... If you have the classic like T8 bulbs for monitors, yeah. just throw it in the garbage. It's never going to work <laughs> in any cage setup. It's garbage. You're never going to get the right amount of uh, output for that. So uh, that leaves basically just the the more expensive T5. You know the um, the thinner uh, fluorescent tube bulbs. And personally, I use Arcadia. I've had great success. They have great um, great output. Very vibrant. Uh, mm -hmm. Very nice coloration. And I guess that's kind of another thing you've got to take into consideration when you have, you know, such beautiful uh, animals is you, you not only you don't want to just do the bare minimum, you want them to look nice at the same time. So what size cages are you using for these larger monitor species that you own? I mean, obviously, I'm some the custom built, but are they full like walk in? Are you taking up half a room with them or? Uh, there's probably a few that should be. Um, I'll, I, I am not doing it as efficiently as most people do. I usually build cages as I go, as opposed to, you know, building just one final cage. Um, and it's worked pretty well so far. It costs me extra money, but I don't really care. Uh, so, I mean, it depends, you know, I have some animals outside. I have like a white throat monitor. She's outside in a, a 12 by four by six outdoor enclosure which has a um, four by three heated box attached to it. And for some of the, you know, smaller animals, I mean, my croc monitor, I just built her a new one at the uh, end of last year and she's already almost due for a new one right now. I think her cage is four by uh, eight by, I believe five, five feet tall. And, kind of just one of those things where you know you could build just a gigantic cage and furnish it um i've i've had bad experiences actually doing that with smaller monitors because they can get lost inside the cage especially if you're um you're just starting out with like a you know a hatchling monitor and you put them in a gigantic cage and they don't know where the water dish is there's so much space they don't know where to bask um you know they got to find crickets in enormous distances or bugs, whatever. So, you know, there's plus and minuses. It's just, you, you kind of learn to read certain things where I've actually had exactly that situation where like from my, with my lace monitor, for example, I put a, I put her in a huge, you know, well-decorated, awesome cage and she never came out, didn't do anything. I had to put her in actually a smaller cage until she uh, just gained more confidence and got some weight on her. So you learn to adapt to certain situations where um, 
and there's no one right way to do uh, things. And I guess that's what kind of keeps it interesting too. Yeah, that's that's way more complicated than I'm willing to go, and I'm willing to admit that I'm <laughs> I'm not willing to do that. But I have thought of doing ackies. I was like, maybe I can dip a toe in. An Aki cage can fit in my house. Now, I have seen several videos and people talk about uh, doing the the one word that seems like a four letter word in this hobby, but cohabbing when you get like Aki's like communal, like two or three of them. Is that a yay or nay? How do you feel? Uh, I mean, I've had two of them. Uh, yeah, as far as I've gotten is have a having a pair of them and. They probably should have had larger quarters. This was when I regrettably was first starting out, and I had no business owning Aki's. But, um, yeah, they need a lot more space if you are going to cohab. I mean, figure, you know, every single one of those animals could excuse me, could potentially um, have their own personality, could have uh, beef with another animal, so they all require their own safe spot, you know, whether it be a hide or, you know, a rock that they go under, what have you. Uh, and you might need several, uh, basking platforms, you know, where that's usually prime real estate with monitors. If you cohab is, uh, you know, the most dominant male is usually going to be up there at the highest rock, uh, sunning themselves. So you've got to double your lighting and your heating when you're doubling your animals. You've got to have multiple places for the to light. Be on the, to be on the safe side. And I mean, whenever you're introducing any animal together i mean that you got to sit there for a good couple hours just watching the interaction making sure that you know things aren't going south and then after that you can kind of get a feel for you know what each animal is thinking and how they're uh reacting to the other one and you can kind of act upon that so it's almost one of those things where you can't really prepare for entirely Yeah, so, needless to say, I guess it's a lot more complicated than most people would uh, admit it to be. Do you have any horror stories of putting together two monitors and it just not working out? Um, that's funny enough, not so much monitor, but literally any other animal you try and put with a monitor is a terrible idea. Um, I When I first got started, I put an Argus monitor with a green iguana just because I was cleaning out a cage or something, I didn't have anything else to put him in. Horrible result. Uh, it did not end well. What you're saying is the green iguana won that fight, right? That's who... Uh, no, uh-uh, no. <laughs> you, you bet on the Argus monitor every single time. Whether it's a green iguana or a human, Argus monitor is going to win. Oh. Yeah, so certain... I mean, even with tortoises, you know, I've... I've had... Not... I wouldn't say cohabitating, but... When you have occasional exposure with um, uh, monitors and tortoises, I would by no means advocate keeping them together, but in like a backyard where they're going to meet sometimes when they're both out, um, it can work sometimes. I've seen zoos, and I interned at a zoo that did uh, like tree monitors and tortoises. You know, tree monitors are going to pretty much stay up, so they're not really going to mess with the tortoises too much. Um, but again, it's at a zoo. So, I mean, it's, there's, I don't know, it's, it depends on how you feel about cohabbing. I know the hobby tends to treat the word cohabbing as if it, if you ever say you're going to do it, you're a pariah and you, you're not allowed to be in the hobby anymore. Yeah. And I mean, that's usually the only time 
where those kinds of things work, where it is, you know, like you just said in your example, you know, a tree monitor, an arboreal lizard, and a ground dweller, like a tortoise, where they probably won't interact very much. But, um, you know, I guess depending on the uh, the animals themselves, especially because tortoises, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to uh, break the news, but they're not the most intelligent of animals. I mean, <laughs> my sulcata used to just devour dog shit. Uh, my aldabra continues to do so. Um, and obviously, you know, there's cross-contamination there. It could yeah, taste amazing. I, I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so you'll run into some things where, you know, and you worry about, especially if they're, uh, or one of them even is uh, wild-caught, where you just don't want to mix that, um, that gut load. Yeah. I, uh, I am horrible. During the winter, I still have one. Oh, I have a fifth sulcata that someone gave me that is still just too small to put outside. I can still fit through the holes in the in the fence, uh, so it's just come back inside for winter, and it lives in a tank with a uromastix. But I'm like, yeah. they just both kind of lay there all day, and they don't mess with each other. So everybody can hate me for it or not, but that's where he lives until he's big enough to quit squeezing through the damn fence. <laughs> No, I'm I'm perfectly okay with admitting that I think uh, when I got my first sulcata, I kept him with a bearded dragon. You know, I mean, they they both eat the the greens, so you know, similar habitat. It worked yeah. out. <laughs> so horrible idea, but it, it works out sometimes. <laughs> I would I would by no means recommend it, yeah, it's but something I recommend, but it, it works in my situation until it doesn't, and then I won't do exactly. it again. Gosh, yeah, it can go horribly thing. wrong like, for somebody on the first try. Yeah, so someone may have, someone other may have a tortoise that just goes, "Huh, I'm gonna eat this year mastics and just start chewing on it." Uh, yeah, th this this tail looks awfully delicious. <laughs> Luckily, that has not occurred yet. <laughs> um, so I wanted to hit on a few of the things that our listeners posted this week for us to talk about. Uh, Travis Wyman posted a cool article about Sicilians. If anybody's ever seen a Sicilian, it's a weird-ass amphibian-type thing from, like, Central South America. They look kind of like a, like a giant snake worm. They're weird. Uh, but they have found, this goes back to us talking about the venom in the uh, monitors, they have found actually venom glands similar to those of snakes and Sicilians at the base of the teeth that are actually part of the dentition. Um which for like paralyzing worms and small insects and stuff, which we had talked about on a previous episode, they, they had found venomous frogs. Uh, nature is just starting to get scarier and scarier now. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to open up a whole can of worms with the, <laughs> the venom debate. Cause that's a whole other thing. So, soon, soon enough saliva is going to be venomous. Yeah. Cause it breaks down. Pro yeah. Because it breaks down food. Yeah, exactly. If you leave it on your, if somebody spits on you, leave it on there long enough, it'll give you a rash. <laughs> I'm venomous. Uh, <laughs> I haven't watched this video. I know I'm horrible, but uh, Victor posted a video of a Komodo dragon catching and eating a squirrel at the San Diego Zoo. I just call that enrichment. That's all that is. That's just enrichment. I saw that video. It actually. can be. I had actually my Argus monitor. Um, this was maybe when my, um, uh, my first son was a year old. He was playing in the backyard, not, but maybe 20 minutes earlier, I come outside 
and there's just a dead, ripped up uh, rattlesnake in my Argus monitor's cage. Damn. And yeah, there was a bit of confusion on my face, obviously. Um, but yeah, she basically killed a rattlesnake and disemboweled it and everything. And I mean, obviously, you know, rattlesnakes, they don't face <laughs> predators like uh, Argus monitors in Southern California. But um, it's kind of funny, I guess, the way that it works, because she didn't even try and eat the damn thing. She just killed it, you know, knowing that, okay, uh, either I'm going to kill this thing or it's going to kill me. Were there so, any puncture wounds? Did she get bit or anything? Not that I could see anyway. And funny enough, she's, like I said, kind of a senior citizen. She uh, she fell off of one of her um, perches and broke her uh, collarbone and fractured a vertebrae in her neck. And she was just never the same after that. But she did manage to uh, kill a, oh, I'd say this is maybe a 24-incher uh, Southern Pacific. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that, I, uh, I worked so... While working at the zoo, I had one day someone comes around to me and goes, there's a peacock in the lion exhibit. And I was like, okay, are you going to go get it? No. Like, well, the lion's <laughs> going to eat it. I was like, yeah. that's." And on the course, the lion got it. I'm like, like someone should go save it. I was like, there's nothing to save. It, he's eating it. It's dead. Like, there's it's a meal. I don't know what you want me to do. That's that's nature. They they eat stuff. But It is. Yeah, but it's not happening here. It's happening out in you know Africa, the wild, wherever. I just, I just thought it was funny. Are you going to go get it? No, I'm not. That's, that's a lion. I'm not taking food from a lion. Oh, uh, oh, Lance Kirkman posted a video. I did watch this video this week. It was how to go full time with reptiles, and it was Riley Jemison's vlog. Our buddy Riley, who has since quit being a zookeeper and now works at GX3 Reptiles and Exotics. Uh, and pets, exotic pets. Uh, if, watch that video. It's actually that's a speaking of monitors. They have an awesome setup in the back uh, for monitors and lizards, like these built-in like rock cages with like they all have these big old uh, water uh, pools and waterfalls and, waterfalls and, and that's an awesome that's video. An awesome video. Uh, and then you can watch uh, Lance Kirkman also posted uh, our buddy. Uh, Cusco, his video of him going in and swimming with those lizards in their new enclosures. Uh, which is funny because he's swimming in one and then he realizes that there's actually a uh, like a sailfin dragon at the bottom of the pool when he steps on it. Oh, man. Because <laughs> like, there's one hiding at the very bottom of the pool. Uh, and I didn't I didn't watch this one. This was the new uh, one of the new uh, uh, Snake Discoveries. An adventure with Cheyenne, their macaw. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a big bird person, so I did. I wasn't like, oh, let me go watch this bird video. Is that the bird that like lost all its feathers, or they got it when it had no feathers, and they've? I, I'm gonna reiterate, I'm not a big bird person. <laughs> well, this macaw shows up on their like male videos, and stuff, and I'm, so. I may ignore it. I don't. I'm not saying <laughs> okay. crap of it. I'm just saying I'm not a bird person. All right. All I was right. never a fan of birds. They bite. I enjoy having fingers. Uh, and McCall's can loud. step them off. I don't like them because they're loud. I mean, I love them because they're so smart and stuff, but I wouldn't want something squawking at me all the time. Yeah, it it would be it would get old very fast. Uh, and Ryan oh, Cox posted a video, a video that I definitely didn't watch. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, but it talks about the Clark Strain albino and retics. It's Garrett Hartle. Uh, if it's a Garrett Hartle video, I'm sure it's good. 
Uh, so you should go check that out, especially if you're Did into Refix. Didn't Geralt... Garrett? Geralt? Oh, oh, Geralt. Yeah, Geralt. I'm just mentioning his two names together. Um, didn't he post about putting copper in water bowls? Because I know Emily does that too. A lot of folks talk about that. They take you got to find a certain year penny when they use actual copper, or you mm-hmm. can like use copper wire, and it's supposed to cut down on them getting slimy and grimy. Yeah, it's supposed that to sounds help with like the a aquarium thing. Yeah, I just that's a lot of copper that I got to deal with in water bowl. Like I don't, I don't know. I have a better idea. How about you just take the water dish out and scrub it with a sponge? That is an option. That's an option. You can <laughs> look. You stop with your it's overthinking. A pain in the ass. It, it's a pain in the ass, but I do it once a week. I mean, I got a. I mean, I, some of my water dishes are you know cement mixers, so. <laughs> It sucks, yeah. but if you want to get that slime out of there, it's a whole lot better than looking for a penny from, you know, a certain year. Yeah, and I'll I'll just, like, I, I have a bucket. I dump all the water in the bucket. And the great thing is that bucket kind of keeps my room somewhat humid because by the time I'm emptying water bowls again, the water's gone down because it's evaporated in the room. And then uh, I just spray it with um, core hexidine every now and then because that's, that shit's safe. I mean... You can put it in their water and they're fine. So I don't feel bad if a little bit doesn't get wiped out of the water bowl. So. Yep, that's what I used to. Every week I do chlorhexidine yep. and scrub it all out and then refill their waters. The old blue stuff. I love that stuff because it smells good I, too. It does smell good and I'm not worried. Like, I just think about all the years of the different things I've used. And I remember, like, I used 10% bleach solution. And then I'd go through water bottles like every two weeks. It just eats through that shit. And then mm-hmm. also, that smell is just in your nostrils for the rest of the day after you, like, had your head inside of a four-foot cage trying to scrub it. Yep, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not to mention, depending on how you do it, you know, where you're dumping that bleach out, or in my case, I'd basically be dumping it into the, my uh, planters out in front of the house. I find that plants love bleach. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's a that's great for I've plants. Considered, I've, considered it, I've considered drinking it before, but... I figured my plants would get more out of it, so. <laughs> well, if you drink it, it'll get rid of the COVID, so. I know. I really I really messed up on that one. I didn't really, I didn't give that one a oh. thought. Oh. Uh, I found an article that I thought was very unfortunate, unfortunately interesting. I don't know. It involves our buddies PETA, which we all know they love animals. Uh but they are suing basically the parent company of ZooMed, claiming that ZooMed sells equipment that is detrimental to the health of reptiles. Uh, like, I'm trying to find where they, some of the things they wrote. Uh, it says that tanks have deadly consequences for the snakes, and that basically, like... So they're, the ta- they're suing Hagen? They're suing... Uh, SLO, which I guess is the parent company of ZooMed. Oh, sorry, I'm not San Luis Obispo. San Luis based company. That's what it is. So it's just yep. ZooMed. Okay. Yeah, they're Zoom suing. They're, they're going after ZooMed, which I'm actually surprised that PETA hasn't tried something like that. Maybe they haven't, just didn't know about it, but they haven't have. tried something I, earlier. I may have talked to somebody before that we've talked to before and asked if they tried it with their company, and apparently they have. Uh, You're talking about Ryan, aren't you? I'm not saying anything. So, <laughs> this is what Peter, Peter says. The snakes, hold on. These snakes deteriorate and can die follow, following weeks or months of pain and other suffering because of ZooMed's lies to consumers. 
Yeah. No, it's consumers' laziness or lack of care. Well, and yeah, then sorry, sorry guys. After you, what you do with the product after you buy it, that's uh, that's your job. It's your concern. Right. Well, and they complain about uh, the cages being uh, shorter than half the length of the snake. They don't tell you well, what's really in the cage. cages. I mean, yeah, they don't tell you what you should put in the enclosure. And this whole thing about where a cage a cage should be the same length as the snake. I, look, I may be touchy for some people, but I fall on the side of it depends on the snake. I'm telling you right now, my Samboas don't give a shit if they're in a small tub. And people go, well, you don't know. Okay, I guess technically I don't. But everything tells me they don't give a shit if they're in a... I mean, we've talked about it before with your uh, blood pythons. They don't give a shit that they're in a small tub. Yep. So. And they'll only shit in that tub once a year, too. <laughs> yeah, great thing. <laughs> but... uh yeah, this is this is going to be interesting. Uh, how this goes, I mean, PETA, who tells you they care about animals, but yet probably kills more animals than any other organization, uh, trying to tell a company who's who's sold reptile supplies for decades upon decades that their reptile supplies aren't good for reptiles, and I'm sure PETA yeah, has I mean, the, the most of, reptile cool. experts. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of funny coming from them, seeing as they're the reptile experts who apparently are going to start their own company and provide better products. So. so so that means from now on, all corn snake cages, all corn snakes have to live in a 55-gallon tank that is also not just, but it has to be at least like two foot deep. So really it's going to be like a 100-gallon tank for your corn snake. And I'm not saying you can't house a corn snake in a tank that size. I'm just saying it's not 100% necessary. PETA. So that was an interesting article. And then on a good note, uh, more than a thousand hellbingers were released from the St. Louis Zoo in the Ozark Rivers. That's awesome. I think that's super cool. I love hellbenders. I mean, also another animal that I could, like salamanders, I don't have the patience for like dealing with. I can deal with water for my fish, but it's completely different when it's for amphibians. Did James leave just for me? Is my connection being stupid again? I thought it was mine because, like I said, I have horrible internet service. Um, but he was uh, awfully uh, robotic in that last uh, segment there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this ha- okay. So, if you remember him talking about the ending of the last episode that we did, this is what happened. So <laughs> he just disappeared. And then went away, and it was gone. <laughs> but I kind of think that's actually about all that we were talking about, that all that we had left. Um, is there anything that you... Yeah, unless you have some side tangent. I mean, I guess we go back a little bit. Um... I want to talk about, do you remember when, I, I think it was your little tortoise greenhouse that you made, and you had bulbs that were uvb bulbs and then you got um the whatever device that reads uvb i don't even know what that's called but it monitors that and you realized how bad your bulbs were actually performing and they were like brand new bulbs you remember that Mm -hmm. and that's so that's another thing where not just with monitors but i mean any lizard species i mean hell i i use uv on my woma pythons i have a 
I have a UV bulb for my Burmese python just because I want to see them. You know, a red bulb just or a black bulb doesn't do much for me. You know, yeah. they're beautiful animals and they should be displayed as such. Um, you know, obviously snakes are not going to be exposed to UV as often as a monitor would. But um, yeah, it's just the inconsistency that I talked about earlier where, you know, these are very fragile bulbs and, you know, you shake it around too much, anything, you have no way of knowing what kind of quality you're getting when you're going to open that thing up. It looks brand new. You bought it at the store. You got to, you know, plug it in. You don't know exactly where that's, where those levels are going to be at unless you have one of those uh, UV measuring devices. And it's a shame because... Which, I mean, if you keep a bunch of lizards, I suggest getting one of those. Yeah. Because going through this with you, Mike, on that weekend, I was just absolutely, like, mind-blown in a sense. Because they tell you, you know, switch them out every six months. But if you get this bulb and then you measure it and it's, like, performing, like, 10% of what it says it is, and you keep that for six months, yeah. you are not going to be giving your animal what it needs. Exactly. And that's where, I mean, there's no way of measuring it otherwise. Hey, I'm back. Hi, you know, it's, it's very expensive, like I said. But, I can hear you. But um, it's, a, it's a really good investment. If you can't afford it, hopefully, I mean, these things come out of China. They yeah. should be a lot cheaper in the future. But uh, for any lizard owner, I would highly recommend a UV meter. I don't know what's going on. And, um, I can hear you. Not just I can hear Mike. James, hold on. Mike, can you hear James at all? Uh, no, I James, got start talking. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? No levels. No, he can't hear you at all. <laughs> can you hear Mike, James? No, I can hear you. Am I the in between? I'm, I'm the in between. Yeah, he's talking. Oh, uh, yeah, I got no levels. <laughs> Another week where my internet messed. I don't know what happened. It still says, like, the internet just, like, nothing blue. I didn't see any fuses blue. The lights are all still on on my internet, on my box. Uh, so, technology, it's great when it works, but I don't know what's when up. It doesn't. <laughs> you guys keep talking over each other oh, no. too. <laughs> oh, All right. All right. Well, maybe maybe this is our sign that we should wrap this Mike, up. <laughs> have Mike do his outro. You do your outro. I'll do my outro, and then we'll be done. All right, Mike, if people want to get a hold of you for whatever reason, even though you say that you are a has-been in the reptile hobby, where can they get a hold of Please you? Please don't leave me alone. <laughs> I want to be left in peace. <laughs> but if you, must, if you must reach me for, I guess, if you have monitor questions and you've got nowhere else to go, I have zero monitors available. I will have zero in the future. Please don't bother me about that. But uh, if you have dire questions, nobody else can answer them. Uh, you can uh, find me at ADD Reptiles on Instagram. Uh, don't bother on Facebook. I don't use it anymore. Um, so, yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> awesome. And follow him on Instagram, too, because he has a really cool collection with so many different animals and like i said they're rare species that he has so it's really really freaking cool um if you guys are looking to get a hold of me you can find me at designerexotics.net designer exotics on instagram and youtube and you can add me on facebook april justine but if you do that and i don't see that we have a crap ton of mutual snake friends i might not add you just a heads up on that <laughs> people have lives outside of reptiles people and it's hard to believe especially in social media but yeah Usually uh, reptiles, a um, 
a um, job does not make. James, if people are looking to get a hold of you. Uh, apparently not through my internet. Uh, <laughs> right. So if you need to get <laughs> a hold of me, you, it's simply serpents on Facebook, simply underscore serpents on Instagram. Also, if you come to the reptile shows for the next month and a half, look for Simply Bio because I'll be selling bioactive stuff. If you need to get a hold of us, we are the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, at gmail.com for email. Uh, if you're listening to this and nothing has made sense for the last five minutes, that's because when I edited this, it was all messed up and either Mike's volume is there or it's not. <laughs> and I have no idea what's going on. So I apologize. Hopefully at some point in the near future, my internet will not fuck up. <laughs> Everyone's talking over everyone. <laughs> oh, so it's just a huge mess. Jesus Christ. So that's all I've got. Uh, I'm going to say goodnight, and then I'm going to have a nightmare <laughs> while I edit this. Oh, thank you, Mike, <laughs> thank you, so Mike. much for coming on. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let James get his point across. Yeah, James James was talking that whole time. It was so <laughs> And that's when I didn't say anything, Mike, and you were just like, um, hello. <laughs> oh god, this is a shit show at the end. <laughs> well Well hopefully you guys have an awesome post production crew. I'll uh leave you guys to it. Alright. Alrighty then. Alright, I'm done. Good night. Mm-hmm.